Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, that's what it is, Wednesday night. And I don't have anybody to do the Parsha or the Haftar. I don't have any sponsors this week, so I'll do the um, uh, Tefillah uh, podcast, which is, as always, being sponsored by Mishpachas Stefanski. <coughs> Thanking them. Uh, I hope maybe somebody will pop up for the other two by the end of the week for the uh, Parsha and the Haftar. Uh and this is already Elul and the week before Rosh Hashanah and so on and so forth. And so my attention is therefore drawn to Adobah Hashem Mori, the 27th Psalm, which I spoke about in the past. But I'll take another shot at it. And because uh, every time you look at it, you see a different angle. At least I think it's a different angle. Uh, as you know, there's a famous, obviously, minute to say uh, Psalm 27, Adobah Hashem Mori, at this time of the year, in Elul and Tishrei, most of Tishrei. And the usual way of explaining that is Ori, Rosh Hashanah, Yeshiv, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and so on and so forth. And it's very unclear. It's one of those Tehillim capitals that doesn't say when or where it was said. Consequently, is this WML talking in his old age, his young age, in this situation? And that is just not clear. And precisely because it's not clear, it's an unfortunate all over the place. The Benezza says this, and Rashi says that, and so forth. You know, that's how it goes. Now, uh, I'll tell you what occurs to me. Maybe it's a subject of the age or not. And that is, the Dovashem Ori, which of course has some very profound passage in it, passages in it. The very And if I understand it correctly, it's like a Kabbalistic type custom. It's associated with the Sefer Chem Yom and things like that. I know there are historians who found it earlier than that. But it seems to be a mystical part. So why is there particularly mystical in the Dovah Hashem Ori, and why that one over the other capitals? You could think of others. Uh, see, here's what I think. The key elements, however this popped up in Jewish practice, uh, in very wide Jewish practice, the only people who didn't do it, is, as far as I'm aware, the ones who didn't do it thought it had something to do with Shabtai Tzvi, which it does not. But on the other hand, I understand that the anti-Sabatians found patterns and codes, I think Yaakov Emden and so forth, in the Dovah Hashem Ori, and they claimed there was a Beitian. However, I don't want to get into that talk quick now. This is more about tefillah. So, suffice it to say that uh, when you get to the part, it meant, again, it's Elul and Aseris Mechuba. The key parts of the whole uh, capital is, of course, when he says, Those two took him out of what, 15, 20 psukim, however many are in there. Um, not even, 14 psukim. So, uh, that seems to me the cart of the reason, in my opinion, why this uh, became the Elul, uh, you know, capital, the Tishrei one. And uh, it's actually very sophisticated. And I'll tell you what I mean. Um, the language is, Shifti Hashem Kolech Mechayel, Lachsus Menom Hashem Bakei Cholo. 
So you have three buildings. I'm, I think I did this last year, this particular point. Three types of structures, A, B, and C. You got your bias, you got your heichal, and you got your sukkah. Those are three distinct types of structures. Now, double does not mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, I shouldn't say it's pretty clear. It seems to me that I don't think he's talking about physical. Uh, it is possible, and somebody's mafarshim I see, and just open the mikra's gadol, just for heck of it. Um, and some will say he's talking about his amygdala or something like that. As we all know, one of the great longings of David was to build a base amygdala. And Hashem at one point or another told him, no. As we all know, your hands are too full of blood. Whereupon he was so obsessed with this that he devoted the rest of his life to, to doing everything, to make it shovel ready, I think is the terminology. To do everything except um, build it. So especially in Divrayam, they describe a great length. He gathered together the materials and the workforce and the labor, and he drew up the plans and even the music, and so on. So it's a great length in Divrayamal, second part of Divrayamal, in the Tanakh. So uh, fine. So you could definitely read. It is possible then, because we don't know, to say that this is something he wrote early in his life. In other words. Uh, Maybe just when he became king, maybe a little before that, something like that. And he really had in mind at that time that he was going to go for it, baby, and build a base in English. Subsequently, he was told not to. Okay? In other words, at the beginning of his reign, look it up in Shmuel, you'll, you'll see, Shmuel base. Beginning of his reign, he thought it's going to happen. And the truth of the matter is, why not? And even the prophet Nathan, Nosan Anobi, said, go for it. But Hashem told Nosan, it says in the book of Shmuel, that I didn't get permission and I don't want it. Okay? Shlomo will build it, but David not. So this passing might reflect the fact that, you know, David uh, is planning to build it. And he doesn't know yet that God's going to say no. Alternatively, you could read it that David actually was told already no, and he's, you know, full of longing to do it. And I was told no. <laughs> you see? Which actually would be a very powerful reading. I only asked one thing, to build a base of and dwell in it and so forth, but of course it didn't happen. All right? But on the other hand, that's an imaginative reading. Okay? But I'll tell you where I'm coming from this year. The key word, is, in my opinion, is What does he see over here? What does he see over here? It's hard to translate that. I mean, I know what the words mean, and you can translate the Hebrew words also. But it's hard to make sense out of that. When you daven, you say it three times, or twice a day, right? You say it twice a day. What do you think when you say, to gaze at the Noam Hashem? Now, what does that mean, the Neimus, the, 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 the Noam Hashem? How does one gaze at that? You see, you notice, what does that mean? I'm asking a plain Pashat question. What do you have in mind when you recite that uh, all, all this month. And to be mavaker in his heichol. Mavaker, of course, can have a lot of interesting meanings. And David Ezra and these other guys do, talk up, you know, play with that. Apparently, Dunish Ben Labrat wrote a piece on that in one of his chubas in, the, in his uh, dictic fights in the 10th century. Um, you know, the back of the word boker, 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 boker. 
But look, what's Tortzachtar? So it's, it, my attention was drawn to Hechal, uh, which is a very distinct word. Um, I'm talking about the concept of Hechalos, which is based, I guess, around the story we know in the Gemara, the four people that went into the Pardis. And listen closely. You know Rabbi Kiva and uh, who was it? Benazim and Zoma and uh, Anacher. You all know that. And it didn't turn out great for most of them. This one went crazy, that one went mad, the only one became Apocorus or something like that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Only Rabbi Kiva was Nichnes Vishon Biyas Vishon. It doesn't say Rabbi Kiva was elevated as a result of this experience. I always think that's interesting. You know, it should say Rabbi Kiva came out of Malach or something like that. All it says is Nichnes Vishon Biyas Vishon. To me, that's a very interesting phrase because it means, and you can tell from the experience of the other streets, it was very dangerous. <clears throat> You're going to laugh at what I'm about to tell you. Many years, about 20 years ago, I picked up somewhere the, this set of two swarm, which are basically uh, Kabbalistic texts from the 13th century and 14th century in Spain. Those from the early years and things like that. One's called Sefer Amudea Kabbalah and the other one's called Yalkut Haram Hagadol. Uh, why did I get it? You guessed it, because I had the kudos. So even though these are arcane things, one or two of them are actually very famous. The Sefer Amunas from Shem Tov is actually you know, famous. Uh, and this is from the era of Moshe de Leon, and, and you know when the Zohar was first published, and the period after that. Uh, and the second volume is Hecholot, uh, Pirkei Hecholot. Sefer Hecholot HaGadol, Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Godol, Shekibo Mi Matatsar Haponim from the angel and so on and so forth. And I know, I mean, I, I, I get it, it's a little funny because in the Kudus, but it's really cool. And uh, what's he talking about over here? Entering the Hechel. No, what's the story of the Pardis? Three of them got hurt. It was, it was a dangerous journey. So it's a mental journey. You want, I think any intelligent person realizes. They didn't actually physically go anywhere. The four people, let's say they were in a room. So they went on a joint mental exercise, which is remarkable, okay? Four people to direct their kavanas in the same place so that they, in effect, had a mental journey, If although journey, it's a word we use, but it's not spatial, of course. You understand that. But they concentrated their minds in the same direction, uh, but they got hurt. And the most you can say, Rabbi Kiv, is Yatsa B'Shalom. Because he didn't get hurt. Doesn't say he, he went great. He does. He, 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 it says he didn't get hurt. I think that's a very interesting negative expression. Now, what it means is, in some fashion, that these people were trying to to enter God's chamber. Imagine it's like a, a like a board, like one of those uh, games at the arcades. You know, you're trying to uh, enter the castle. Is this still around? When I was younger, they used to see these things, right? I don't know. Now it's a, I'm dating myself, but whatever. Trying to enter the castle, and the king is inside the castle, but there are a lot of dangerous things on the way to get into the castle, and you can get knocked off by this thing at the front gate, this thing in the middle gate, and there are guards and all kind of junk like that, demons, and that is basically Allahavdal. That's basically what you what you have in the Pirkei Hechalos, which is a text which expands at great length on the experience of the four and describes in great detail. Here is now Rabbi Kibitz Rabbi Shmuel Kohen which he was told by a Malach, had to go from this Hechel into that Hechel, and from that Hechel into the next one. I mean, um, not blowing anything up here, but it's, I'll just read you the first paragraph. Um, 
and not more. <laughs> okay? And it says, Vayitzhalechanoch, that's Elohim ve'inenu, ki lokacho se'olhim abri yishmo, ki she'olisi lamorom, when I went upstairs to look at the Merkava, whoa, whoa. And of course, Marum doesn't mean spatial again. So it's an outer experience mentally. And when I got to the seventh Hechol, Zuchus Aaron ben Amram, Ohev Shalom Brod Shalom, Shekibel Keser Kahuna, the Fnek Vodecha Harsinai, because he's a grandson of Aaron, he's a coin god, old Rabbi Shemal. Shlo Yishal be this angel and that angel, Sheimo by Ashikunim in Shemayim, they throw me down from heaven, which again, if you're intelligent, means don't have a sudden, to get violently thrown down from heaven means to have like a sudden, I don't know, mental, the kind of thing that happened to Benzoma and Benazah, you know. And the of the angel was sent to me to help me and flapped with his wing. So knows I got a special help, a special pass to make this mental journey, okay? And not to be hurt. And he grabbed me protectively. You were able to, you know, you got special permission. And he has a full-time guard, this uh, angel and so forth, to help him in there. I'm not going to read you the Sefer Echols, don't worry. I'm just trying to tell you that this is associated in Judaism with uh, a, a certain type of, uh, I hate to use the word spirituality, so I'm not going to. Think of it in Maimonidean terms. And I'll tell you what I mean. You're trying to get past uh, the regular ways of thinking about God and get into the nothingness part, because whatever you think about God is wrong because he created all ideas, and therefore you can't can't be identical with them, and it requires tremendous concentration not to crack up, and not to get a headache, and, uh, but you are then getting, uh, you know, this is like a derech to nevua, you get what I'm saying? To be a nevua, you got to kind of do this. Uh, it's not easy. That's the whole point of nevua not being easy. And you need all these disciplines and practices you find in the and the Ramchal's writings and other people, because it requires, I'll use an English word, meditation, but a lot more than that, to concentrate the mind. And you and I don't do that because I always say, in our modern society, the mind is like a jelly. You think about this a minute later, you think about that. To be perfectly honest, isn't it true that you're always switching channels mentally? You think about this, next thing you know, you think about something else, next thing you know, something else. It's not often that one thinks for a long time on a, on a particular subject. And what I'm saying is, the very act of concentrating on a particular subject, especially if it has anything to do with Torah or something like that with God, is itself, if you don't screw it up, uh, productive of a, con- of a certain sort of ecstasy, that might not be the right word, but I'll use it, a certain kind of ecstasy, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, unlike anything else. And that's what the intelligent, true believer who wants to get past all these mythical images of God, which we cannot help doing when we form any idea in our mind, whatever it is, is a mythical idea, we talked about that before, that's the human condition, uh, and when they try to pierce that, uh, that's the height of mysticism, to try to know who is, to the degree a person can, of course you can't know, to the degree of who, what is Hashem, who is Hashem, what is all this, and that's the most important enterprise. <clears throat> I'll tell you something really fascinating, uh, 
The other day I was in the store. Like I said, I have a weakness for books, but Nakuda's book, I tell you. And I was in the bookstore, and I saw they had something called... And sometimes they get these little things that come out of Israel. They're like collections of little sources, uh, but they're Manukot and on this particular subject. And this is one called Tzvi V'chamed V'ragig. Nitzotze, Nitzotz Miziv Kedushas HaTorah V'chiyu B'lamol Bo Yom B'layla. So some frumi in Israel, I mean a super frumi, collected, I mean a real frumi, collected from various form, uh, you know, things about the godless Torah or something along those lines. And, you know, some are regular, and by the way, Hasidic and Litvish, it's it's interesting. Hasidic and Litvish, and, they, and they're in, you know, they're nice little quotes. You know what I mean, a paragraph here, a paragraph there. So I saw something that caught my eye from the Chazonish. I don't know where this is. I don't remember it being in the Amun of it. If you're talking, maybe I'm wrong. I, I I don't think so. And the Chazanish, of course, is not what we would ordinarily associate with a mystic. And yet, being super duper litvish the way he was, and devoting his life to Ruchnius, I think that's an understatement. So you see in the Chazanish, and this is one of the paths we're talking about, it's not the only one. You know, the learning itself, when the thinking on this for hours and hours on the same subject, that's your concentration of mind, and that produces the ecstasy. Listen to this uh, passage. Maybe I'm a dummy and everybody knows this. I I, I don't think I've seen this before. Uh, I can't recall it. And he, this is from the Ghazanish, not from Tehillim. Masika Satoro Kama Gadolahi Ne'ima Satoro. Oh, it's the sweetness of learning. But a regular person in learning Torah doesn't get to that point without Rak See that? In other words, only if you think on a particular Torah topic, a Gemara, whatever it is, uninterrupted for three, four hours. That's a tall order. Uninterrupted. You know, no cell phones, <laughs> you know, no coffee break. It's uninterrupted. Now, you're talking about the Chazanish, okay, but I'm just saying, nevertheless, Hear that? In other words, without three hours straight with no interruptions, thinking on uh say or Isr Khal Isr or something like that, or whatever your topic is. I mean uh, it could you be thinking about the Akadis Yitzhak, whatever whatever your topic is. Without three hours you don't start to even perceive what he calls the Masika Satorah and the Imasatora. I'm not finished. And if you keep it up for five hours uninterrupted, if you ever experience this, it's such an ecstasy, then how can anybody let it slip through their fingers? You understand? How can you be... What kind of a cook are you if you're making a, a, a dish? Let's say you're making a chayza chant. And then you what you do is you, you heat it up for a half hour, and then you cool it down. And then you heat it up again for a half hour, and then you take it off and you do it. And of course, the mashal is, you're learning for an hour, and then you stop and do something. You're learning for another half hour, and then you stop and do something. How can you interrupt? You're you're missing, he says, the ecstatic aspect of this by hefsik, by interruption. You get it? Um, so that's after five hours. Is this amazing? And after six straight hours uninterrupted of learning, you forget the whole world and you lose yourself 
in, almost like an ecstatic trance. No, you're you're in a different uh, mentally, of course. You're in a different world. And seven hours, you 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 feel. In other words, in in you know, in your senses, the human being is so created that in the senses, after seven straight hours of learning, Margish Karv Lakadosh Baruch Hu. Now again, what does he mean by that? You know, not that God is in front of you. I don't think he means that. I think he means you know, like we're saying, Maimonides says, you feel closer to the to piercing the mythology, as it were. And the Olam Haza means nothing. Umismali simcha. There's the ecstasy. Viacha Shmona shows Afilo no fellas believe Mahshabashal Tavakhumis. After eight straight hours of learning with no interruption, Gashmis doesn't exist. You have no taiva for anything. Bakulo Mishtokek Lelukov. And you've turned into a different Bria, which is one big shtick of Hishtokasalhov, you know, yearning to uh, you know to to know God. Or get to God, or something like that. V'yachar teisha shows kulo kodesh l'mala molo. V'yachar eser shows, I mean, ten hours of uninterrupted learning. It's not me talking sechazanish. Ayin lo rosa. Ain the ta'ir ve'ain milim levatir is matzav big shosav. Notice then you're talking about the, the parades and perkei cholas, and that's that's what he means. Zulas nachas ruach l'shemiz ruach. This is besides the fact that God likes it. We're talking about the effect it has on you. So the Chazanish lived not that long ago. And um, so I'm simply saying, this is the notion of the concentrate. Well, guess what, my friends? That's nothing but, That's just another way of saying it. That's another way of saying it. And so, means to enter the Hecholo system, the Pardes, and all that, and to go for it. And that is really Anila Dodi Vadodili. You know, what, what does that mean? It's just, you know, I love God. I mean, you know, what does it mean? We're using the male-female metaphor, the love metaphor, the sexual metaphor even, like in, in Shir Hashir, to talk about a tremendous drive and longing that you can't be separated from the other. Uh, but it's just a marshal, okay? And so, anila dodi dodi li means what he's talking about. Yet, and all that kind of business. So, in other words, Davos Shemur is kind of a meditative text, or at least, it, let's put it this way: it praises the virtues of meditation. Along now, I just read you from Chazanish. Like I say again, he's not from the Middle Ages, and he's not talking about standard mystical kind of texts which concentrate on on meditation per se. That you find if this is something that interests you, and you're a regular person listening to podcasts. So then you get Ari Kaplan's book, Meditation Kabbalah. You get a little, uh, you know, a, a little introduction to that sort of thing. I don't think most of the people listening to this are Kabbalistic. But, but nevertheless, it's a part of the Jewish tradition. It got to be, let me put it this way. So mystical people who come to Elul and come to Aseris Mechuba, when everybody is simply saying like this, protect me, protect my family, you know, Havli Bani Chaim Mazoni, and all this sort of thing. There's a passage in the Zohar where he said people just... Uh, on Rosh Hashanah time and all that, and the Aserah Simichu would just say, save us, save us. So uh, it's very Gashmistic. And it's very, you might say, Yates are hard driven. By that I mean, the person is like, give me a good year, uh, a year of wealth, health, wealth, prosperity, 
Basically, what he's saying is like this. And once you give me that, <laughs> I don't need you anymore. You know what I mean? No, just, just give me what I need. Uh, that's the reverse of, you know, Levakir uh, Behechalo, Lachzit Benom Hashem. There you're yearning to have a permanent cash of God. And the other stuff is actually secondary. As he said before, comes a certain point, and the Gashmi stuff doesn't even matter to you anymore. Now, how can you say Gashmi doesn't matter? And I'm not talking about grub Gashmius. I'm not talking about the guys like, get me a Cadillac or something like a, you know, a, a Jaguar. You know, I, I don't mean that. Gashmius in the, in, in the sense that, you know, family shat parnasa, you know, this kind of thing. I mean, what's wrong What's wrong with that Gashmius? You know, to the mystic, is that does it garnished. <laughs> you know, it's nothing. And uh, the Mepharshim touch on it a little bit. I'm talking about the regular uh, guys I'm looking at in front of me, which is the Mikros Kedolos. You know, a little bit. Lachsis Beno Hashem, the Ibn Ezra says, She is Galulo Sodos, me Maisei Hashem Abarish Lo Yidoam. And Levakar Behecholo is Shakonim Yoshim Tomi Beis Amish Yilamduvi Aru. That the Kohanim Beis Amish should teach Dovin. Because a coin, if it's an ideal form of coin, not a bad coin, ideal form of coin, I mean, they're engaged in this kind of enterprise because they're not just there to, to perform ritual acts. You understand? The Beis Amish, in its full potential, is the headquarters of Ruchnius. And that's such a cliche. If I say to you, headquarters of Ruchnius, you think of some former guys, you know, shuckling away with a long beard and payas and things like that. And that's not Ruchnius. Ruchnius is the reason they're shuckling, you know, they like to get to a certain state. It's not necessary to have all that stuff to get to that state. But the state is the Ruchnius. It's a state of mind. And um, this is what's being... And, and, and this is what a person is supposed to... Um, seek and yearn for at this time of the year. So it's not about Bani Chaim Mizani, although that's important too, as they say. And let's face it, for most of us, that's pretty high on the agenda uh, because we are what we are. But when we say and you talk about and all that, uh, uh, he's talking about these things. That's what's going on. He's talking about these things. Now, the next Pusik difference is fascinating. I'll tell you what I mean. As you know from the story of the Pardis in the Gemara, Chagiga, it's a dangerous, right? It's dangerous to do this. Uh, three out of four were casualties. And even Rabbi Kiva, all you can say about him is Yatsav Shalom. Doesn't say, you know, he merged, enhanced, or something like that. Although it may be that's what he means. I mean, I wasn't there, but. It, it's just interesting to me that the Pusik doesn't say, and Rabbi Kiva emerged like another Eliyah Navi or something like that. It says, Yasser B'Shom. So it's dangerous. Wherein lies the danger? Once you get to this level of abstraction, and you have to be abstract in thinking about God in an intelligent way, uh, which is very hard to do, so it's possible to make wrong assumptions or moves. You can persuade yourself that your mind is guiding you in the right direction, and may, maybe it's not. Now, I don't know, I'm not a mystic, but I mean, that's obvious what I just said. Uh, and so he says, I want to be mavakar beheicholo, but I don't want to get hurt on the journey. And what does he say? I want to undertake this party's journey, Echol's journey, but but I want him to protect me like a sukkah against the evil. Yemei Ra. I think, as far as I can tell, Yemei Ra 
doesn't mean, you know, bad political days where he's attacked by enemies or something like that, but rather he means the theological errors that, uh, for example, that Acher made, Elisha ben Abuya. You understand? Uh, which are a big danger, but a big guy like him did it, so it's very dangerous. Yasti Reini Vesaser Olo. Isn't that interesting? He should Saser me. He should Saser is, is, is a kind of protective. You understand? He should provide me a shelter Vesaser Oholo. So, uh, you know, uh, how should I put it? I'm in the bias, I'm going to the Hechel, but I also need the Ohel. Okay? Uh, I think what he's talking about is is precisely, uh, you know, the dangers that we just alluded to, and he's praying to God, help me on the mystical journey, uh, and protect me, like a sukkah, you know, sukkah, with God's sukkah, what is God's sukkah? God doesn't sit in a sukkah. Uh, it's expression of his providence, I guess. I mean providence in the sense of protective providence. Uh, raw. In other words, I want to go for this, but don't let me be another Elisha ben many. And of course, if that happens, then I'll share with you know, then I'll be la la la. Uh, and he says, why am I like this? I mean, he's begging for this to God because l'cham or libi Right? L'cham or libi My heart, in other words, my innermost me is, um, says, let's look for the face of Hashem. Hashem What is the face of Hashem? You say it every day in prayers. So forth. Now, what does it mean, Torah Chaim? So you say, oh, living Torah, uh, you know, well, you're like writing a book. Torah Chaim means, you can interpret it, Torah Chaim means what's really going on in life, the Torah of life, knows what the, 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 the uh, mystery of life. You understand? What's it there for? Why has God made anything? If one can even deal with such a question. See what I'm saying? It's a great deal of abstraction because you can't really give answers. Even if you say it's a tov and all, none of that stuff works out. Not really. You know, you got to pierce past that. And then you have like these existential type issues. But he says, I'm just that kind of a person. I'm that kind of a person. You know? Uh, okay? I'll toss their panechami many. So, you know, let me achieve my goal. Don't hide. I'll talk about and don't get angry at me, you know? So, I mean, it's a plea to, uh, you know, uh, that God should help on the mystical journey. What do you mean? Because what did the other guys do? They took the wrong road and uh, and, and and suffered. You know, Benazi, Benzoma, and, and, and Acher, Remember, it says you'll see uh, water, it'll look like marble, or marble like water, forget, you know, you, you'll, you'll miss, it won't be the Orch Mishar. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Who did sorry more? And and he ends by saying, you know, caveats, you, know, you have to do it, you have to try, you you can't under, undertake a journey like we're talking about without be talking, uh, you know, in other words, trust in God. Uh, so let me put it this way. I think. I would suggest that therefore Darish Hamari was put into the Elul and Tishrei liturgy by people 
who either themselves lived this or tried to, um, and this very elevated kind of spirituality, which is very difficult, and frankly is beyond most of us. Um, and therefore, I don't think most people have, have you know, thought of Dov in these terms. But I think that's what he's talking about. And at least it puts a certain commentary, maybe makes it feel uncomfortable on purpose, when it comes to Rosh Hashanah Kippur, you can't help but saying, Mi Yechia, Mi Yomus, Mi Bikitso, you know, save me, give me this, give me that. Uh, which is very self-centered. Now, Hashem does want you to pray for these, but it's, it's very self-centered. And um, perhaps, you know, the consideration of Dhamma Hashem Ori was meant to, to make a person less self-centered and more God-centered. Anyway, that's what I think. I can't prove it, that's what I think. And uh, I'm sharing this, as I say before, right in the middle of El, just before Rosh Hashanah, and that's Seres Mechuba. And um, once again, I want to thank Mishpachas Zavansky for sponsoring this. As I said before, I hope maybe we'll get somebody, one or two people, to cover the the parsha and the Avtorah, and uh, and then get ready for Rosh Hashanah. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.